0: Tim Lambert, Ian, and Janine Maxwell, welcome to Radio Canada International.
1: Thank, Thank
0: you. you. Now, you, nice all, all three of you are in Ottawa today, a long way from Swaziland. Uh, what brings you to Ottawa?
1: Well, I'm uh, headquartered here, so I'm in, I'm in Ottawa. We have board meetings this week, uh, but uh, Ian and Janine are on a, a month-long <laughs> visit to North America uh, including stops in Ottawa to uh, speak on their project and to uh, engage in some fundraising activities and in fact this evening we have a reception we're hosting for them uh, where we'll tell our story to because uh, our farmers of course and we'll talk about that are significant sponsors and supporters of the project so we're hosting an event this evening for them
0: tell me about your project in eswatini
1: So we're celebrating now actually five years of our partnership. Um, uh, We first heard about the story for me and Janine a couple of years before the five years. And we're just uh, amazed at the story and so much so that myself and our chairman went over to Africa. We're there on other business and took a side trip to uh, Swaziland, now Eswatini, uh, and saw the work they were doing and we're just amazed. At what they'd already achieved with the 2,500-acre farm, uh, with the orphanage for children, and also with uh, community feeding programs. So they they feed through a network of about 30 churches and schools. Um, malnutrition in the country is, is a huge problem. Um, the country's been devastated by HIV-AIDS, and within that we've lost or they've lost a, a generation of adults. So there's, if you can believe it, um, a half million orphans and vulnerable children in the country. That's that's more than half the population of the entire nation. So malnutrition is a significant problem, but so within that is protein deficiency. Uh, and so we thought we could contribute by uh, building an egg farm, which we've done. Uh, we have 5,000 birds in two houses of 2,500, and the significance of that is it means we can feed eggs all year round. We had other uh, donors or contributors. Uh, In addition to Egg Farmers of Canada, a company in Denmark called Sonovo donated the equipment to hard cook the eggs, to chill the eggs. And then um, industry partners from Canada, the Saskatchewan Egg Producers, uh, donated a delivery truck. Uh, So we're able to distribute uh, over 4,000 eggs uh, every day, and to date, we've uh, we've uh, distributed over five million eggs throughout Essaouira.
0: So five million eggs—that's uh, quite a lot of eggs. Uh, where, a lot of a eggs. Lot of eggs. That's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of eggs. eggs yeah. uh, where well, where where do these meals go, uh, Janine or Ian? Uh, can you explain uh, how this works?
2: Sure. So um, we have our farm, the twenty five hundred acre project that we call Project Canaan, and as part of our hunger initiative, we have found. 30 communities that we partner with in the most rural areas of Eswatini where there's no there's no jobs, there's no uh, no work, just really very poor people who are subsistent, living sub, as subsistent farmers. And we've been in a drought for the last two and a half years, and we still don't know whether the rains are coming. So they haven't been able to plant their maize crops, which is their staple for the last few years. So we had already been uh, running this feeding program with these 30 partners and feeding local children, but we're just seeing more and more children coming into the program because there's no food at home and there's no food in the schools. The World Food Program uh, deliver food to the country, which is distributed throughout their school network, but even that is drying up literally and figuratively. So See, when we're when we're giving a meal to each child, they're getting a hard-boiled egg, which of course is the perfect protein, and that protein is so incredibly important for their brain development, for their body development. Um, yeah, so that that's who we're that's who's getting the food right now.
0: So each child gets one hard-boiled egg as part of their like school meal.
2: Uh, not part of their school, more part of our feeding program. So we we deliver something called pack which is a partner. Organization out of the United States called Feed My Starving Children, and they ship us these mana packs for us. It's a dry uh, rice based um, package of food that has vitamins, minerals, and nutrients in it. And so when we deliver this dry package to the, the churches, they add the water, they cook it, and when the child gets a plate full of that, then they get the hard boiled egg to go with it to give them that, that extra protein.
0: Now, of course, people listening to you on their audio devices will probably recognize uh, an Ontario, uh, Canadian-Ontario accent. Where where, where are you from and how did you manage to get to Southern Africa?
2: So you heard the, I must have said out and about or something like that. <laughs> um, I grew up in Northern Ontario in a little town called Matheson, okay. and not far from the Quebec border. And uh, went to school in Iroquois Falls and then uh, finished my high school in Brockville and um, started a business. I owned a marketing agency for many years in Toronto for about 16 years called Onyx Marketing Group. And then, a yeah, long story made really short, was in New York City when uh, in on 9-11 when the planes were crashing. Ian was on an airplane to Chicago. You know, he thought I was dead. I thought he was dead. And it kind of launched me into the search for the meaning of life. And that uh, search took me to Africa, and I fell in love. Um, I fell in love with the people. I fell in love with the, many of the countries that I traveled to, but my heart was specifically touched for these these orphans who, you know, these children who have been orphaned because of HIV and AIDS. And I just met hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them in every country I went to that were living on the streets. And, you know, these young five, six-year-olds who are being raped every night by older kids. They're eating out of garbage cans. The young teenage girls, the 13-year-olds are getting pregnant. They're dumping their babies in, in outdoor pit latrines. They're dumping them on the side of the road. They're dumping them in rivers. And I just knew I couldn't go back to my life of leisure and pleasure, and um, I, I had to do something. And so a uh, long, complicated story, we ended up packing up our family and moving to Eswatini. Uh, we've been working there since 2005, but uh, moved there permanently seven years ago uh, once we opened up an orphanage there for, for orphaned and abandoned babies.
0: Ian, how about you?
3: Well, I married a strong woman, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I followed her, and... Um, yeah, I, I went to uh, Eswatini uh, a number of years ago. I think it was in 2005. And uh, basically I saw the need. It's a beautiful country, but the people were really, really sick. And so basically this, it was a no, not a no-brainer, but it was, it, it was an area that I thought I could make a difference in. So when we uh, decided to start Heart for Africa and uh, help the people of um, Eswatini out, that's, that's basically, you know, Janine was already all in, so it, was, uh, it wasn't an Easier easy Easier to stuff.
2: be with me than without me. There you go. <laughs> okay.
3: Uh, we're, we're, you where, grew up in Ottawa. Yeah, I grew up in Nepean, actually. Born oh. in Ottawa, grew up in Nepean, so I'm a Canadian as well.
0: Okay, so, and what's your, uh, I guess, professional background?
3: Um, I uh, graduated from Bishop's University. Uh, I've got a major in economics, a minor in business. And then uh, worked with uh, L'Oreal here, or Cosmere, as it was named, uh, for a few years. And then joined uh, Janine's marketing company. Worked there for 10 years until they closed. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're doing this. And I,
1: and I think that's a really interesting part of the story. Uh, because when we got involved as egg farmers, went over to see Project Caden Heart for Africa, what really struck us was... The fact that while many charities are well-intentioned, it's not always easy to deliver success in developing parts of the world. And because of their business background, they're able to think, plan, design, but then also execute on their plans. And so things, things get done in a very difficult part of the world, and, and that achievement is just something remarkable to see.
0: Now, but uh, Janine and Ian and none of you have any farming or, um, I guess, orphanage uh, experience running an orphanage. How 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 did you uh, manage to do all that?
3: Well, we had nannies raise our children, <laughs> our biological children. Right? <laughs>
2: well-trained. Yeah,
3: well-trained <laughs> by her. Uh, <laughs> well,
2: I'll speak for the orphan side because that's, that's, uh, those, those are my babies. Um, I spent a lot of time traveling around the world, um, going to different orphanages and seeing how people did it. The the, the real challenge in, in Eswatini was this baby dumping. I mean, there's lots of challenges. I'm not saying it's the real challenge, but lots and lots of babies being dumped from these teenage pregnancies. And there weren't many orphanages globally, who take in babies. Most of them will only accept a child that's three or four years old. And that's because babies take a lot of work. Babies are expensive. They require 24-hour care, diapers, formula, and, frankly, they die quickly and easily. So we found a home called Watoto in Uganda and went and learned from them, really sat at their feet to learn how do we bring in Babies who are going to be really sick, HIV positive, perhaps have tuberculosis, malnourished from birth, skin diseases, you know, all sorts of STDs on their bodies. Um, and how do we do that? So we, we've learned, you know, we've brought in experts. Uh, we're fast learners. We've hired well. We've trained well. And um, and ultimately, Ian and I are the legal guardians of these children. And right now, we have 252 children under the age of nine that we are the legal guardians for until they are 18. Wow. We also have two biological children who look a little bit more like us than the other 252, but the little ones are pretty cute.
0: So you get children who uh, are, what, days old, and then yep. you care for them, well, you've been caring for them for, uh, what, nine years now? Yep. Or?
2: Seven, yeah. yeah.
0: Seven years.
2: But we're committed to them. I mean legally they children age out of a program like this when they're eighteen, but our commitment is really what it is to our own biological children is we want we want to see them make an impact on the world. We want them to be the very best that they can be. So when they finish high school, you know, our farm has lots of vocational training opportunities, whether it's carpentry or mechanics or egg barn, or uh, we have our own dairy that we produce all of our own milk. Um, We make our own yogurt. We have hydroponics and aquaponics and field farming. You know, so there's lots and lots of opportunities for these children who are growing up as a remnant of a country that is being wiped out by HIV and AIDS. So not only do we believe wholeheartedly that we're raising the future leaders of the nation, but that doesn't necessarily have to be all government leaders and doctors and lawyers. We need, we need the best people running the egg barns. We need the best people running the dairy. We need qualified people to be um, doing animal husbandry, you know,
1: electricity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a really, I think, significant aspect is these children are not adopted out. Um, given what's happened with the impact of HIV AIDS on the country, this is really nation-building. It's the next generation of people who will, who will hopefully lift that country out of the despair that it's, that it's in. Um, and, you know, you asked the question about, I think Ian's a fantastic farmer.
0: Uh, <laughs> Thank he's you,
1: learned on the job. Yeah. Uh, I know for our project, and I, I think they do this quite broadly, is once we committed to the project, did the fundraising, we started to send over teams of farmers every few months Uh, to work with their their people. Obviously, a key part of this is training and knowledge transfer. Um, So we've we've invested over the last number of years, and now we go over and see how the egg barn is being managed. A young man named Sofiso, and uh, Sofiso is doing as good a job as any commercial egg farmer that you'd see in Canada. Uh, So it's really gratifying not only to see the impact of the feeding program, but to see the the knowledge transfer that's taking place.
0: Now, running an operation like that requires, uh, I would imagine, quite a lot of investment, and capital expenses, machinery, um, manpower, and uh, in Canada, you would, you know, you would have banks and you you would have um, all kinds of uh, co- cooperatives and stuff like that. How do you fund it in uh, uh, Eswatini?
1: Well, uh, we fundraised um, through our industry primarily. Um, you know, For Egg Farmers of Canada, being involved in community is something quite important to us. We're involved locally, domestically, in school breakfast programs. We're involved in supporting food banks. Um, and so it was a natural outreach for us to get engaged because we really believed in the power of the nutrition of of the humble egg that it would make a difference, could make a difference in the world. And so um, our industry got behind uh, fundraising, but we had other international partners. Um, we had a company from Denmark called Sonovo, who supplied us with the equipment to hard cook the eggs and uh, chill them. Um, we had a company called Big Dutchman supply the housing equipment for us. So really it was a combination of fundraising uh, donors, both money and equipment, and then Ian's project management skills. Um, we had some help from a, a group in Mozambique. We were doing a project. They helped us with barn design. Uh, but it was all your team that did the actual construction of the buildings, Ian, and, and, yeah. and that work.
0: How much money does it take uh, like, uh, to run this operation, a year?
1: About 100 to 125,000 U.S. I think a year for the egg barn. Uh, Ian and Janine can speak to the more broadly to the. Yeah.
3: So, so one of the topics we've been talking a lot about lately is sustainability, and this year um, our budget, the way we designed our budget, um, Project Cayman will um, contribute about 30% of the operational funds through the um, um, the businesses that were all businesses. The egg barn, the dairy, Uh, we have the thing called the Kutsala Artisans, but through uh, enterprises that we have on the property, um, it'll provide 30% of our operating budget. Um, The children's home is um, very expensive, Uh, well, children in general are very expensive. Uh, This this one is is no different. (laughs) And it's not giving back, it's an
1: investment in the future. How many diapers a day do you go through? We go through 500 (laughs) diapers every day.
0: Wow.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So we have a child sponsorship program on our, uh, our website, heartforafrica.ca, and people can uh, sponsor a child just like other child sponsorship programs. So mm-hmm. that really helps us a lot with the children portion.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, you, you are, of course, in Ottawa. Uh, are you having any meetings with officials in Global Affairs Canada or something like that to uh, get uh, also federal funding for your programs?
1: I don't know about specific federal funding, but when uh, Ian and Janine are in town and every year that they come, we do arrange for meetings with parliamentarians. There is a Canada-Africa Parliamentary Association. And so we're meeting with a combination of senators and members of parliament. So in fact, we're meeting with a number of them uh, tomorrow morning for breakfast. So we've got uh, Senator Jim Munson, uh, Mona Fortier, who's the Ottawa Ottawa Van- Vanier member of Parliament. Uh, and so um, we, we hope to expose them and show them and talk to them about, uh, about what's being done uh, with, this, with this charity.
0: Hmm. Ian and Janine, Jean- yeah, go ahead.
1: If I could just add, uh, the other thing that I think is unique to this is as Ian and Janine, so Eswatini is a kingdom, um, and as they've uh, become known to the royal family, to government officials, to police, uh, uh, care workers, um, they get a child, I think, about every eight days. Um, but we're also, they're looking at expanding. There's a, a real need in that country to expand the, the feeding program. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they're looking at uh, corporate sponsorships, uh, partnerships with community groups, uh to To kind of partner up to support their network of churches and schools uh, to feed feed children throughout the country. Mm-hmm. So I think we mentioned earlier on in the in the discussion that there's 500,000 uh, orphans and vulnerable children out of a population of around a million or a bit less than a million. So it's an extraordinary need, but also uh, the reach that they have. And the reach that they're building within that country is is phenomenal.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I that was actually my next question was, what kind of support do you get locally?
2: Well, the government we're really providing a service to the government in helping with caring for the orphans because they don't have the the funding or the structure or the the know how to do that. So. We have really strong government relations with the Deputy Prime Minister's Office, um, and anytime we've needed help from one of the ministries, whether it's Ministry of Education or Ministry of Health, Ministry of Works, um, they are fully supportive of what we are doing, which is really great.
3: Mm-hmm. Now they're not they're not providing funding. There's no cash. There's no cash. <laughs> there's um, there's favor in in areas of getting documents and things like that. Uh, when we have containers coming in with um,
0: one last question you talked about your own children how have they taken to this uh, the fact that they were uprooted from you know comfortable living in north america and taken to you know southern africa to a landlocked poor country
3: well we sold it in as a great adventure
0: <laughs> are they buying it
2: we we were in marketing remember so uh it was a, it was a big pitch and uh, we threw in atvs and that kind of thing but Really, uh, our, our, our eldest is 25 now, um, just graduated with his uh, master's in international business. And our daughter is going to Brock University in her final year. And I can say that they are our biggest supporters.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, I'm, I'm so proud of them because we did, you know, in the early days, it appeared that we were really screwing up their lives. Um, but they've lived a life of service since they were 10 years old. They've been coming to, you know, they're going to Africa every year for eight or 10 weeks. Their whole summer break they would spend in Africa, serving street kids and <clears throat> orphans. And they saw they saw firsthand. I mean, they've they've been there when we've rescued kids off the street, so definitely life changing for them. And uh, 100% support what we're doing, and they see themselves as the big brother and sister to these 252. Mm-hmm. And our, our little ones see them as their big brother and sister. It's really awesome. They get really excited when they know Spencer and Chloe are coming home for Christmas.
0: Wow. I'm running out of time. Thank you very much for this fascinating conversation. And just to remind, I was speaking with uh, Tim Lambert, Ian, and Janine Maxwell. Um, who are visiting Ottawa now. And uh, we'll be going back to... When are you going back to Suarini? Uh
1: The 15th of November.
0: Well, thank you very much again. Thank, thank you very thank so much.
1: Thanks for your time.